This is episode 207 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are A Beginner's Guide to Using a Gun, 15 Survival Movies to Teach Your Kids Prepping, and Conflicted, Finding Orphans, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Before we get started, did you know that the Prepper Website Podcast is on a ton of different podcast networks? And you can make sure that you get the podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. So we make it very easy to subscribe in iTunes, Stitch, or any other uh, podcast network out there. Uh, but if you are listening on iTunes, we do appreciate your subscriptions, definitely, and reviews that you leave us. Uh, that's greatly, greatly appreciated. Hey, uh, just got through uh, doing a Facebook Live on the Prepper website Facebook page, not the group, uh, the page. And I, did, I do it on the page because I don't want people to come to the group just to just to see the, the Facebook Live. So, but anyway... Um, I have this idea that um, that I would like to do kind of like my favorite article of of the week of last week, right? Uh, that I read on the podcast, and so I had this idea where I would you know come in and introduce it, and then switch to a desktop view to where it's not my camera but it's a desktop view. And uh, at church, we've been playing with the software uh, that we're able to do that, you know, kind of jump back and forth. And so I downloaded it on my computer and have been playing around with it a little bit. And I think I've got it down. So uh, I tried the first one today. Uh, and, and really, I'm going to, if I do, I, I might not do it. I might just be kind of spreading myself too thin. Although it really isn't that much extra work. Uh, because I, I normally do a Facebook Live for my church. So I'll do a, a little devotional. I'll do a little message. And um, I do that for my church uh, Facebook site, you know, Facebook page. And then, uh, I mean, if you're interested in looking at those, I share those out on my personal page. And, and so I already have all, all the equipment set up and everything. And it's just a, a, a matter of, you know, winding up doing it, you know. So I uh, learned a couple of lessons. Like I had my microphone it was way too hot because um, I was right on it when I turned from being on the camera to turning to to being on the desktop. I was right on it, and then I was talking like extremely fast. I think I talk fast anyway. I don't know. I don't normally talk fast, but when I'm behind the mic, I don't know why I start talking really fast. And so I'm purposely trying to slow down. Although I know that there's some people out there probably would want me to speak a little bit faster. Uh, some of you might realize and know um, one of the you know people that consume a lot of podcasts. One thing that they do is listen to podcasts like at, at a, a they speed it up, right? So not necessarily listening to it like, you know, you're the chipmunks or anything like that. But, uh, you know, you can speed it up just a little bit. And a lot of the podcast catchers that you listen to have that ability to do that. So you're getting a lot of the content and you're, you're able to consume a whole lot of content that way. Uh, that's if you're interested in doing it that way. But I, I don't do it that way because I, I want to listen to it at the regular speed. So I can imagine if I'm talking really fast and someone did that, what I would sound like. So I'm purposely trying to slow down just a little bit. And there's a couple of things going on that I was going to talk about just here early on 
in the podcast before we jump into the articles. The first is the uh, is the fires in California. If you haven't seen the videos, man, it, it, it really does look apocalyptic. And Brian over on the group, the Facebook group, uh, showed a video. And I guess it's, you know, a group of cars that are exiting or whatever they're getting out. Uh, but they have the, the camera on the hillside. And, man, it, it looks like, I mean, it, it does. It looks apocalyptic. It's really crazy uh, how bad that is. And then, uh, you know, Drudge Report had links to uh, some video um, that was on YouTube. I guess it's a helicopter view or whatever that was going around. And, uh, you know, fires coming and engulfing homes. And, I mean, you're like, it sucks, right? I mean, you're there and you've got these, it, it, they're beautiful homes. I mean, we're not talking about, we're, it's, it's, fires are ravaging nice, you know, nice parts of California. And so, the, you know, you're sitting there and you see this fire from far off and then it's slowly coming and coming. And then finally, you know, at some point you're like, man, I got to get out of here. And so that was one of the one of the videos that I was watching. They had the fires and it was getting really close to this house and it looked like somebody was in the garage. And I don't know if they were scrambling to uh, to pack up or what, what they were doing, but it was getting pretty, uh, you know, pretty close there. And so, you know, Brian's thing when he when he his comment, when he uh, shared out that video on the Facebook group was and this is why we prep. Right. Exactly why we prep. Uh, a lot of those people might not have been thinking about that they were going to have to be, you know, leaving their house. And sometimes it's that normalcy bias is like, no, the, you know, the fire is going to die down or no, you know, it's going to start raining or the fire department is going to take it or the government's going to save me or, you know, whatever it might be. And then, uh, you know, so you're hoping and you're wishing and you're praying and then eventually it's kind of like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Right. And so you, all that time that you were hoping and praying and wishing, uh, you know, for someone to save you, you could have been, you know, loading up the car, you could have been saving very, you know, your valuables and all those kinds of things. And, you know, when when you talk about a flood, you know, we had Harvey here, you know, when your house floods, I mean, it definitely, definitely sucks really bad, but th there might be a possibility where you can save something. So especially like if you have a second story or things that are in your attic or you can lift things up, uh, you know, some houses were completely demolished, but, you know, some houses only got like one or two feet of water. But when you're talking about fire, I mean, you're talking about, you know, completely, you know, burning down. I mean, you're losing everything, everything. You're not able to come back in and like, okay, what can I salvage? So that really, truly sucks. So we, we definitely keep people in California in our prayer, uh, in our prayers. There's just, you know, that's going on. I know that that was going on earlier in the year when we were dealing with other things. And now it just seems like to keep, it just keeps kicking back up again over there. And, uh, so, man, if you're in California, you're dealing with all kinds of things. You know, earthquakes, you know, you're dealing with fires. You're dealing with all kinds of things. Drought over there. And then uh, sometimes when it does rain, it's like flooding because it's just raining so much. So, anyway, uh, keeping uh, California in our prayers and in our thoughts. Um, so, you know, just hope those of you that are that are there that are, um, the fire might not be too far away. hope you, you do if you're listening to this. You are... Be you are preparing, and, and if you need to get out, get out. Don't wait. Don't wait till it's too late. I I, I remember. I can't remember what fire it was. Um, maybe it was the one that was uh, because Brian had mentioned it as well. The one that was up in Canada where people were, or um, yeah, I think it was that one where I remember watching a video. I guess a guy was like leaving his his uh, his his land or whatever it was, and I mean things were. It was like he was in a tunnel of fire. 
uh, you know, fire was all over the place, you know, dropping down on the road, and and, and this guy was kind of weaving in and out, and uh, it was. I think if there was audio, I think like they were cussing. I mean, it was, it was your heart rate went up just by looking at this video, and so you don't. That that is an example of someone who just waited way too long. You do not want to wait that long to get out. You want to make sure that you're safe. And uh, so anyway, you have that normalcy bias that kicks in, but uh, you are uh, you are more preparedness minded. You are self reliant. You are not. Uh, you know, a victim of normalcy bias, you know that uh, things need to happen. And so uh, whether you're experienced, uh, an experienced prepper, or you are a new prepper, or you're just new to the podcast, welcome, and you're new and, and, and you're you know kind of catching us for the very first time, uh, this is what it is about. I mean, it's not about all the big crazy conspiracy things. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some aspect of that in preparedness where you can find that. And sometimes you do find that on my website, on prepperwebsite.com. Uh, but it's, it's more about how you can prepare for, you know, the crazy, you know, regular things that happen in life because life happens. But then stuff like this, you know, just things that natural disasters and things that happen. The other thing I wanted to talk about was Israel. Now, uh, I mentioned my uh, weekly watchman and the and current events that I do on Ed That Matters, and I linked to it yesterday. I went ahead and uh, uh, I think I'm going to, yeah, so it's not going to be linked. It's not linked on proper website yet, but it's on Ed That Matters, so you can go check that out. But, um, you know, one of the guys uh, that I link to every single week is Amir Srafati, and he is, uh, he's a Jew. He lives in, in Jerusalem. Uh, I think he was uh, a colonel in the military, so he's still kind of tied into some of that and intelligence and, and things like that. And he was outright saying, you know, Trump is not going to declare that Jerusalem is the um, is the capital. He's not going to do that. Uh, that's not going to happen. You know, we, there's too many things going on in the Middle East and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I really, you know, a lot of the times he's been correct in, in just his analysis of things. So uh, today when I saw that, you know, Trump was going to be at a, at a press conference or whatever, I'm like, okay, so he's going to, you know, he's going to wind up saying we are going to sign the waiver again or prolong it or whatever. And then when he said that he, he was moving forward with it, you know, you can kind of, you heard it at the beginning of his, you know, just the way that he was going. I was totally amazed, man. You know that he did it, and it kind of shows that he's not afraid to pull the trigger if you if you have to, because this the resolution or the law the law was passed a long time ago. It's just that every president has always delayed it. Every six months has always delayed it and wavered it. You know until until now Trump and and uh, has went ahead and, and and did it. Now this the issue though is that it's going to cause a lot of problems uh, for Israel. It's going to cause a lot of problems in. Uh, you know, in, with Muslim and, and Arab uh, uh, countries, and so you're already kind of seeing and hearing a little bit of about that, and so you just kind of, kind of sitting back. We talk a little bit about that. You know, the Bible is Jerusalem centric, Israel centric, and uh, and you you when things happen over there, you got to pay attention, and uh, the things that happen over there can set off. Uh, ripple effects all over the place and so uh, when we talk about being aware of what's going on in our world yeah you can be aware of what's in your local community and you should but you also need to be aware of what's going on in in the world and so there's a lot of people who don't like us 
already and they don't like us even more because of this and so uh, we're just gonna you know see what happens and see you know how this this proceeds but uh, I know a lot of people in the prophecy uh, you know current events um, scene are definitely going to be talking about this here in this next week and so when I I know that when I uh, when I prepare the weekly watchman for uh, next week I guarantee you this is going to be the big hot topic uh, that that everybody is going to be talking about and where where all of this is headed. Um, one of the things, depending on what uh, view of prophecy you hold, is uh, America doesn't really play a big part in in uh, you know it's not a, it's not an end time player over there. And you know a lot of people say why you know is it because America has collapsed? America has gone through something like that. Or is it another reason? You know, uh, maybe whatever, whatever it might be. We just have chosen not to, uh, you know, deal with the things over there in in the Middle East. Who knows why? If if you hold to that view, so I'm always, uh, you know, looking at that and paying attention to that. So anyway, just kind of wanted to talk a little bit uh, about those two things and keep both of those things in your prayer, in your prayers. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from theorganicprepper.ca. Uh, it's Daisy's, Daisy Luther's uh, website over there. And uh, on this article, Daisy is kind of partnered with someone else. Um, I can't remember exactly. His name is Steve, but I can't remember exactly where, um, where, he, where he's coming from. Uh, but they're talking about uh, a beginner's guide. The article is called A Beginner's Guide to Using a Gun. And one of the reasons why I, I think I really link to articles like this on Prepper website is because a lot of people are realizing that they need to have some means of self-defense, you know, and and they go out there and they purchase a gun, they go to a, a gun show, they go to, uh, you know, a sporting goods store and they purchase a gun and maybe they buy some ammo and then it's kind of, that's it, you know, it's like, hey, uh, I've played Duck Hunt before, right? I've played video games and it just kind of goes from there. But I, I think there's a lot of people, you know, back in the day when, when, um, when all the the talk about you know banning assault weapons and this and that and all that kind of junk kept going going around, a lot of people were buying you know guns because it's like hey they might they might not allow uh, you know sell these anymore. They you know if they there's some kind of gun control measure that comes down. I want to at least you know have a have you know some kind of firearm that that uh, you know I grandfather in or something like that. And so there's a lot of people that purchased. Uh, firearms that really didn't do anything with them they're just kind of there and maybe they think that in uh, in the back of their mind that if they needed to defend themselves that they have a, a, a firearm but really there is a little bit of work that you should be doing and uh, articles like this are I think are very valuable so let's go ahead and start reading this one you've chosen a new gun but are you ready to use it we have talked about the things you need to consider when buying a firearm and choosing the gun that will be right for you. But there are other decisions once you've made your purchase. If this is your first firearm, chances are you're not ready yet. This is, there is a lot more to protecting yourself with a gun than simply getting one and figuring out how to load it. Today, Steve Gandidus and I will talk about getting ready to use your gun. There are several things to think about, everything from storing it safely to having it with you when you need it to training and practice. So storing your firearm safely. 
The way you choose to store your gun depends a lot on your personal situation. For example, if you live alone and never have children visiting, you may want to tuck the firearm in a nightstand drawer. Be careful though, you want it to be stored in a way that you can easily get to it without potentially discharging it accidentally. If you have children in the house, you will want to make sure or be careful about how you store your gun. There are a lot of sorts of safe there are all all sorts of safes that you can access fairly quickly if necessary. One parent I know locks her gun up during the day and pulls it out each night to keep it at her bedside. Some people really like biometric saves that use your fingerprint to allow you to access the contents. Others point out significant downsides to the reliability of a biometric safe. The more high-end you go with a biometric safe, the less likely you are to have issues. I have a safe like this and it totally lost its programming after a year. Fortunately, I only had ammo in it at the time, but I was no longer able to open it with the touch of a finger, something that would be disastrous in an emergency. Keeping your gun on your person during the day is probably the very safest way to store a firearm. Someone else accidentally getting their hands on it is nearly impossible this way. We'll discuss holsters in a moment. Only you can figure out the method of storing your gun that is safest for your family here are six tips from the NRA family for safely storing your gun. So there's a link there that you can click on. Having your gun with you when you need it. Your gun won't do you any good if you don't have it with you when you need it. Following are some tips for concealed carry. So what kind of holster should you get? Side holsters are available in both an outside of the pan and inside the pan configuration. They are secured to your belt either by loops that, you, that your belt goes through or by clamps that you can be quickly attached to your belt. One consideration is whether or not you want what's called a back tab on them. The tab is an extension of the holster that keeps the gun from digging into you. The drawback is that it makes the holster and gun a little bulkier. It's up to each person what you prefer. Side holsters come in a high configuration and low. High is easier to conceal but might dig into your sides a bit more and be a little bit more awkward to draw from the holster. The high holster is also more comfortable when sitting. Inside the pant holsters are the easiest to conceal but can be uncomfortable for some. You might also see a reference to a side holster's rake. That's the angle that the gun takes in the holster. A lower rake is more horizontal and makes for a faster draw. Again, the drawback is that it's less secure. The small of the back holsters are another outside of the pants option and its name suggests these holsters are attached to your belt and rest in the natural hollow that nature has provided us in the small of our backs. Criticism of SOB holsters and that small of the back are usually that weapon access is difficult. That is very overblown criticism in my opinion. The gun is only slightly further back than the side holster and the typically lower rake makes the difference in draw the draw insignificant. It does make it more difficult for an adversary to take your gun away from you before you can even draw it though because it's behind you. The SOB is very poor is a very poor choice if you intend to be seated a lot while wearing it. It's not only uncomfortable, it makes access difficult, especially seated in a car. SOB holsters are very popular with females because nature has blessed us with thin waist and flaring hips, so side holsters sometimes dig into our sides while the barrel gets pushed outward. Use an SOB only when and where appropriate. 
Shoulder holsters are another option. They are very comfortable and can usually accommodate even the largest guns. They are also the most difficult to conceal and would necessitate some sort of cover like a jacket. With the shoulder holster, the gun is under the opposite side that you hold the gun with. Most often, extra magazines uh, for autos or speed loaders for revolvers are carried on the opposite side of the gun. Some holsters have what are called tie-downs. Those are extra straps that can be attached to the belt. They are most useful for the magazine side, but not necessarily on the gun side. When drawing the gun, you simply hold the holster close to your body with, with your arm. I have a friend that uses a shoulder holster most of the time because he suffers from arthritis in his right hip and he tries to minimize the weight that he puts on that side. They take more getting used to than hip holsters or SOBs, but they work for some. A note from Daisy. Holsters for women can be very tricky. I strongly recommend you stay away from the cute or lacy thigh holsters, bra holsters, and like unless you are able to try before you buy with a loaded gun. The weight of the gun will make many of those holsters marketed to women very uncomfortable or render them useless. A female firearms instructor may have, may have better suggestions for carrying the gun on your person. Purse carry. Some women prefer not to carry their firearm on their person, but instead put it in a handbag. For me, it depends what I'm wearing, how I carry. Many people strongly object to purse carry and with very good reason. It's much easier for someone to steal your gun if it's in your purse. It takes longer to access your weapon in an emergency. You will have to take your purse with you everywhere if you have a gun in it. No leaving it on the back of the chair or in your cart at the store. Your purse will weigh a ton. In one heartbreaking recent story, a four-year-old girl got into her grandmother's purse and shot herself with the gun with the gun within. If you decide that your purse carry is the best option for you, choose wisely and secure your firearm well. You don't just want to pitch it in there loose. Look for a purse specifically designed for concealed carry. I prefer crossbody bags, and there is a company called Warrior Creek that makes the most gorgeous and practical bags I have ever seen. They can either be worn around your hips or crossbody, and there's an option band that goes around your thighs for more security. So there's a link to uh, to the story about the four-year-old girl, and there's also a link to Warrior Creek if you if you're interested in that. Um, I'll, I'll say this, that for guys, if you are going to be concealed carrying uh, on you, or even if you're open carrying, you really don't, you want to have a, a good belt. I mean, that's very, very important. Uh, I remember, I think it was Paul Gomez who talked about that. Um, uh, I, I think he did, about having a real quality belt that's really thick. And uh, I think he was talking about the 511 uh, belts. But uh, there are some really good ones now. I know that I did a review on one. Uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. The Super Boys or uh, Daltech uh, is the parent company. Uh, but anyway, so they're very strong belts. They don't, uh, they don't break down on you. You can't bend them. You want to just make sure that, that you're able to tighten up your belt and uh, that uh, the belt will support whatever holster you're using. Uh, because that's going to be very important. You don't want your pants to, to fall down on you, and you don't want the belt to uh, to uh, start breaking down on you either. You want it to be very secure. So invest in a good belt. Like I said, uh, you can they're they're very good ones for 50 bucks, and uh, they will last you. the The one that I reviewed, and I, I'll link to it. The one that I reviewed. Oh my goodness, uh, it has not. I have not seen any like 
creases or anything in it whatsoever. It is just like it's, it looks like it's brand new still. So it, it's a pretty awesome belt. Uh, I'll link to it in uh, in the show notes. Okay, so the importance of training. Training is very important. Do not make the mistake of thinking that you will be able to figure out how to use the gun when the need arises. In such a situation, you will need to be able to react quickly and instinctively. Plan to spend more some time at a gun range to familiarize yourself with your weapon. One method introduced to me recently for someone to me recently for someone that is completely new or even a bit timid about shooting a handgun, the first thing to do is to sit down with the gun that you are going to shoot and break the gun down to its major components and clean it, even if it's already clean. Surprisingly, you will likely go from trembling hands, oh my gosh, it's a gun, to comfortable with it, to almost uh, disgusted, disgusted with it. The gun transformed from something dreaded and feared to, dare I say it, just another darn thing that you have to clean. So that's where the disgusted with it part comes, is that you're cleaning it. Uh, when you get right down to it, that's all it really is. Just a collection of parts that, when assembled, can enable someone of lesser strength to be equal to someone of greater strength. Try this method. You will be surprised how well it works. So I think that's a, that's a good strategy to try with someone, is to break down the gun and let them see that it's just parts that come together to, that, that they can put together. Uh, because in the in the in the aspect of cleaning it, uh, you know, you you want to uh, you know you, you get get very familiar with it, and it doesn't seem like this oh this big bad gun or whatever. It's it's parts that you're putting together. So I've never heard that before. I think that's a great strategy. The other thing is like if you do have a brand new gun. So those of you that are listening and you have purchased a new gun and you didn't clean it. A lot of the times they come from the factory with, um, uh, you know, with, with creosote. They put some extra lube in there. And if you go to just start shooting it, you're going to have some misfires. And you're going to have some issues um, and, and possibly even, you know, cause some damage to your gun if it just has a lot of extra junk in there. And so they do it just because they don't know how long it's going to be sitting uh, on the shelf. And I remember I did an article on this one, too, as well that uh, you, you need to go ahead and clean your, your firearm when you bring it home uh, because there's all kinds of things. And actually, I think Steve uh, refers to an, an incident when, uh, when he brought a, um, a firearm home here in just a minute. So let's just keep reading. We'll get to that here. Uh, try this method. You will be surprised how well it works. Okay, so one very often overlooked consideration is that it is important to train yourself to be able to shoot with either hand. If you hurt your strong hand, you need to be able to be at least familiar with shooting from the other hand. Imagine that you are right-handed and you get boxed in by carjackers. They approach you on the driver's side of your car. It is very difficult to be able to defend yourself crossing over your own body. By being at least familiar shooting with your left hand, it is much easier to defend yourself in such a situation. So choosing a firearms instructor. One of the most important parts of training is finding the right instructor. As with anything, there is a lot of good advice as well as bad advice out there. A few tips for finding the right instructor. Find an instructor with a good attitude. If someone has a negative attitude, is condescending or reckless, this isn't a person from whom you will learn well. An instructor should be positive, encouraging, and professional. Word of mouth is the best advertising. Ask other firearms owners that you know who their favorite instructor is. You'll start to see patterns, good and bad. Your local gun club, shooting ranges, and gun stores may also have some instructors they recommend. Check their qualifications. 
I prefer instructors with NRA certifications because of the NRA's focus on safety first. Look for an instructor with real-world experience. Like anything else, a person who has been there, done that, will bring something to the table that a person who has only studied the subject theoretically may not. People with military or police experience may provide some additional insight for you. This should not rule out teachers without this type of background completely. The best instructor I ever worked with was amazing because she spent years traveling to learn from some of the most elite instructors in the nation. The hours she spent learning at the hands of these experts gave her the perspective of both a student and a teacher. Most importantly, find an instructor with whom you feel comfortable. You're going to need more than one lesson to get good at shooting. Group classes are a good way to go over laws and techniques, but when it comes to actually shooting, one-on-one training can't be topped. If someone makes you cringe, the time spent with them is going to be sullied by that. Although I shoot regularly, I still try to take several classes per year to improve my skills and to make sure I'm not slipping into bad habits. Spending time at the range. Finally, practice, practice, practice. Shooting is a perishable skill for most of us, of course. If you spend decades in the military shooting frequently, you'll have the muscle memory necessary to pick up a gun and shoot accurately at a moment's notice. But for most of us, this is something we need to practice on a regular basis, no less than monthly. I have a membership at a local range and blow through a box of ammo weekly to keep my skills sharp. The more often you shoot, the more comfortable you will become holding and using your gun. If you are ever faced with an attacker, I assure you that they will be able to see your level of confidence or lack thereof, and that can be a deciding factor in whether they are deterred or whether they decide that you aren't a threat. You will develop muscle memory that allows you to shoot accurately under pressure, and in a panic situation, you will definitely be under pressure. If it's available in your area, consider a virtual range for additional practice time. While it sounds like a silly video game, it can really help you learn to make judgment calls in a crisis. Here's an article I wrote previously about the benefits of virtual training scenarios. So I guess it must be in the comment section where uh, I think Steve was referring to cleaning your gun. Um, and he was talking about that he brought a gun home and he was cleaning it out. And in the barrel, there was a, like a piece of cotton stuck in there. And so if he wouldn't have cleaned his gun out, he wouldn't have caught that, that cotton. And it would have easily, you know, would have caused a problem. Uh, you know, definitely a, a misfire, but even even worse, you know, uh, and that would suck. And you take a brand new gun to the range and you shoot it and then, you know, the barrel you know, blows up or something because and uh, potentially, you know, well, you ruin the gun, but then you potentially could hurt yourself as well. So uh, that's another reason why you want to just take it home and clean it. And uh, that's just good advice to go ahead and do that. And uh, like I said, I, I think that strategy for someone who is new to guns, I think that's a great strategy to, to use. So that's over at the organicprepper.ca. Uh, there's a lot of links. Daisy always includes a lot of links. So come check these out. And like always, I will link to it in the show notes, whether that you come to episode 207 of the Prepper Website Podcast or you, uh, you click the show notes. You have show notes available to you on your podcast catcher. All right, so our next article comes to us from Survivalpedia. And I was thinking about this one because you know we're, the Christmas season is coming up, and so kids are going to be off from school, and you might uh, you know, you might have some, some time where you want to spend some family time with kids and, and things like that. And so this uh, article is entitled, 15 Survival Movies to Teach Your Kids Prepping. Uh, we haven't done an article like this before, 
uh, where we're, t- we're talking about different movies, but then specifically about kids. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. Um, so if there's going to be some some movies here you might not have heard before. Um, you know, there are kid-friendly movies. Some of these, some of them are kind of maybe, maybe not. Uh, but uh, they're still, you know, good movies that you would probably see even if you don't want to see them with kids. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one. Uh, like I said, uh, from survivalpedia.com, 15 survival movies to teach your kids prepping. If you're into prepping and you have kids, it would be wise to start teaching them disaster preparedness at an early age. There's nothing better than growing up awake and prepared to face the unexpected, especially in volatile times such as these. Having basic survival skills at an early age can be priceless, and survival movies are a quintessential tool to use in this endeavor, as they combine learning with having fun, which translates into a win-win situation, especially if you're a kid. Of course, watching movies shouldn't replace other real-life activities, such as going camping with your bambinos. Teaching your kids to survive on their own for a few days in an outdoor scenario is hugely important, not to mention that a camping trip builds confidence on their capabilities to be self-sufficient and also raises awareness on their personal hygiene in an off-grid scenario. Furthermore, they'll learn to be alert after the presence of dangerous wildlife and so forth and so on. It's also worth mentioning that playing outside is essential for sparking a kid's imagination as opposed to pecking at a TV, smartphone, tablet all day, as a pile of sand will quickly become a beach where the pirates of the Caribbean bury their treasure and the the trees and bushes behind the house morph into a luscious jungle where monsters roam free. You know what I'm talking about. However, survival movies can be successfully used to prepare and teach your kids ahead of their real-life adventures, especially if they're very young. So let the games begin. My number one choice is Walt Disney's Swiss Family Robinson, a movie released back in 1960 and recommended for ages 8 and up. This Disney classic makes for the ultimate outdoor fantasy for a prepper's family. The movie revolves around building a complex treehouse on a paradise-like tropical island, playing with animals, they are friendly, no worries, but also defending it all against pirates by using very sophisticated booby traps. That was a great movie, Swiss Family Robinson. So uh, I remember watching that multiple times. We had that on video growing up. Uh, Let's move to a more recent flick, Nim's Island, a PG-rated movie released back in 2008 for ages 8 and up, which makes for a contemporary thriller about a girl, Nim, and her dad, a science guy, both living on the private island. After her father goes missing during a storm, Nim is left almost alone on the island to take care of herself with a little help from a, a... agoraphobic visitor but I will not spoil it for you if you look if you're looking for a good wilderness story for kids far from home the adventures of yellow dog comes highly recommended released in 1995 the movie tells the story of a boy and his dog surviving in the wilderness and it emphasizes the importance of practical skills self-reliance and the value of knowing how to survive outdoors castaway is one of Tom Hanks's best movies as it explores a modern-day man's ability to survive in a very hostile environment. Yet it encompasses almost zero violence, which makes it perfect for kids. Everything in the movie is centered on a Federal Express engineer whose airplane crashes into the ocean, forcing him to live in seclusion on a deserted and remote island in the middle of nowhere. This is a modern-day Robinson Crusoe story of survival, and it's also massive fun to watch. The Day After Tomorrow 
is a catastrophic flick which depicts a world collapsing after the planet experiences a dramatic climate shift which results in a new ice age. What happened to global warming? <laughs> the movie is very interesting. Read special effects as it depicts a frozen America from coast to coast while emphasizing the importance of survival skills in sub-zero temperatures, planning ahead, and having good gear at the ready if SHTS. The Day After Tomorrow is PG-13 is a PG-13 rated movie, but as far as I remember, there's no violence to speak of. However, there are some scenes depicting horrific injuries, and some characters drink alcohol as a way to mitigate their sadness after watching the destruction of much of the world as they knew it. I think there's like if kids like would freak out on different scenes, like the hor- horrific scenes. Uh, I, you know, I think I remember seeing like people frozen, and it was kind of just a uh, you know, if you're if your kid would freak out on something like that, you know, people like frozen, uh, quickly frozen. I don't know. Uh, th- those scenes are in there as well. Okay, moving on. The Impossible is a very tragic survival movie, which tells the story of the 2004 tsunami that obliterated parts of Thailand. The Impossible is focused on the survival of a tourist family in Thailand whose members were split up in the aftermath of the disaster. Making for a true story of the people who had to stay alive through an incredible SHTF event. The story is very intense and the movie is rated PG-13 due to the fact that it sometimes depicts people suffering severe injuries. A Cry in the Wild is a, ninth, uh, a 90s flick about the sole survivor, a 13-year-old boy, of a plane crash that got unreported. The hero's name is Brian and the movie is about him trying to survive in the Yukon wilderness by his own wits and he's all alone. Your kids will learn essential survival skills from the movie, how to find food in an outdoor scenario, how to find shelter, and also how to stay away from dangerous wild animals until you're, you're found. If I remember correctly, and I know someone mentioned this in the in the, the comments, uh, Cry in the Wild uh, is, uh, I think it's based on the book Hatchet. Uh, I remember uh, some of the teachers at the at the school where I was an administrator uh, reading that book, and I mean the kids loved it, man. They were all into that book uh, because you know it, it just really got their attention. And so, um, if I remember correctly, they watched a cry in the wild afterwards uh, to uh, you know after they read the book. All right, so uh, moving on, Against the Wild is a 2013 Lost in the Wilderness movie following a plane crash. This is a recurrent theme. You can you can't help it about two siblings, um, teenagers, and their faithful dog. The trio must learn how to trust their instinct and, and how to combine their skill in order to navigate an untamed and beautiful terrain. Their struggle for survival is kind of mild and pretty boring for my taste, but given the fact that this is a family movie, it contains zero violence, hence it's perfectly suitable for your kids, being filled with positive messages and having positive role models. The Life of Pi tells the story of a young man's epic journey of discovery and adventure after surviving a disaster at sea. As he's a castaway, he makes an unexpected friend of Bingle Tiger, another survivor. The movie is great for kids as it makes for an emotional, intense, yet beautiful story of friendship and faith as the heroes are trying to survive against all odds. There's virtually no explicit violence, sexual content, nor strong language in Life of Pi, while its impressive CGI makes it a powerful movie that will make your kids cheer in triumph or shed a tear as the story develops. Twister. Twister. Okay, I don't know. I'm not not 100% sold on on Twister being in this list. But anyway, uh, Twister is a 90s disaster flick 
about, <laughs> I'm just remembering the story, about a, a couple of storm chasers who were trying to build a state-of-the-art weather alert system by putting themselves in the path of a violent tornado. While you're, you'll find some violence and strong language here and there, the movie is very fun to watch overall, and your kids will be taught everything there is to know about the dangers of tornadoes, read severe weather conditions. Uh, was this the one where they're going and the cows are like, you know, they get caught up in the twister and they're seeing cows? I just, I mean, that was, that I just remember that, watching that, and we just were cracking up at that one. All right, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about this next one either. <laughs> the Blue Lagoon is a movie made in the 80s about two seven-year-old cousins who survive a shipwreck and find themselves deserted on a beautiful island in the Pacific. The movie is centered initially on the basics of survival, but later on it evolves into a love story as the maroon couple slowly discover sex, love, and loneliness in their incredibly beautiful tropical paradise. So yeah, I don't know about the Blue Lagoon, and uh, that was Brooke Shields back in the day. I don't know about uh, watching that with kids. Um, Lost in the Barrens makes for another Lost in the Canadian Wilderness survival tale about a Cree Indian boy and a white teen working together in sweet harmony in order to get through alive. Wall-E is one of Pixar's best, a romantic adventure flick filled with action and environmental subliminal messages, which makes it ideal for the young prepper. Your kids will learn the importance of recycling and scavenging in a fun way, knowing how to make the most out of your trash, survive loneliness, and finding hope in an SHTF environment. Alright, The Wave is a rare Norwegian disaster movie about an impossible SHTF scenario. A Ford collapses and creates a tsunami, which our heroes get caught in the middle of it and trying to survive. Flight of the Phoenix tells the gripping story of the survivors of a plane crash with zero chance of rescue who work together as they're trying to build a new plane in the Mongolian desert. The action takes place in a harsh, even brutal environment with scarce resources and it includes a self-defense scene as our heroes are attacked by desert smugglers. The main lesson to be learned from this movie is that strong and loyal people who are committed to working together for a common goal in an SHTF scenario will survive almost anything. These movies are good at explaining that a major calamity might, might strike you when you least expect it, but never give up and always think positive is what matters in an SHTF situation. That's the mindset that would help your kids survive beside the skills that you're teaching them. I hope this article helped. If you have any other ideas or recommendations, feel free to comment in the dedicated section below. All right, so uh, there are some comments here. People are you know, just uh, dropping, you know, like, hey, what about the road? And, and what about, like, uh, Goodbye World? And, again, uh, the focus of the – it wasn't about just survival movies. It was you know, movies that would be appropriate for kids. But, anyway, so I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of good, good ones here, uh, some that I have never even heard about, some that I have forgotten about. And, uh, you know, if you've got something like Amazon Prime or, uh, you know, you've got Netflix or whatever, you can go check that out and see if you, you have access to these. And uh, if not, you know, again, like I said, it might be worth it to, to rent it so that you can, um, you know, whatever, download it, rent it, uh, however you watch movies, to be able to, uh, you know, watch this with your kids and talk a little bit about preparedness. So uh, that'll be uh, something, something cool to do. All right, so again, so that's over at uh, survivalpedia.com. You know, links here. There's trailers. There's, you know, uh, videos that you could watch. 
and all that good stuff. So go check that one out. All right, so every um, every Thursday podcast, I do a conflicted scenario. Uh, you know, this last one was was uh, you know there's a lot of feedback. Actually, they're getting a lot of feedback uh, over on uh, edmatters.com. And so, uh, you know, you can go over there. So I, I, I read the scenario and then you can just kind of do whatever you want with it. You can kind of, you know, think it through and like, okay, so I thought it through. Okay, big deal. That's it. Uh, or you can really, you know, use some critical thinking skills. And the way that I would approach this is with the skills that I have, because a, a lot of the times uh, people will read the scenario and like, well, I would never be caught in something like that at all. All right, yeah, definitely, okay? So that's not the, the idea of this, this, this game. Um, this, this scenario has come from the conflicted play, uh, playing card game. And the idea is to, you know, hey, how would you war game this? How would you, uh, you know, go about doing, you know, this? So the idea is not you would never be caught in a situation like that. The idea is you are caught in that situation. So with the, with the, the knowledge that you have, not the gear, but the knowledge that you have now, how would you go about, you know, dealing with the scenario, whatever it might be? Because, you know, every week it's a little bit different. And so... Uh, you know, so again, you can listen to this and then you can kind of like, okay, process it through a little bit and you're good. Or you can uh, listen to it, process it through and then come over to edthatmatters.com and you can leave your comment or your uh, how you would deal with this scenario in the comment section of, uh, of this scenario. And uh, like I said, it's good to, um, even if you give it a couple of days, um, because uh, I, you know, in about two days, I'll put it over on uh, uh, on Prepper website, and so then there's a lot more people that look, you know, that that take a look at it and leave their comments. But uh, so you know, but about four or five days, you can go check it out as well, and you'll see a lot of uh, comments and people, you know, different things. You know, some scenarios resonate with others. Um, you can also go to Ed that matters now and go check out some of the older uh, conflicted scenarios and see how people have responded. But anyway, this one, uh, I'm entitling it Finding Orphans, What Would You Do? So let me go ahead and read the scenario. I'll read it twice, and then I kind of leave it at that. So here's the scenario. You hear a noise in the back of your home, and you found about 12 orphans scavenging for food in your garbage can. They appear to be kids under 6 or 7 years old. Taking them in would diminish your supply timeline by 50% and you aren't sure you can replenish your supplies once they run out. Plus, it would take manpower to watch over all of them and you can spare little since everyone in your camp is constantly exhausted from hard work and rationed meals. Leaving these kids to, to their fates would mean their deaths or worse. How would you handle this situation? So I'm going to read it one more time. You hear a noise in the back of your house and you found, you found about 12 orphans scavenging for food in your garbage cans. They appear to be kids under 6 or 7 years old. Taking them in, a, in would diminish your supply timeline by 50% and you aren't sure you can replenish your supplies once they run out. Plus, it would take manpower to watch over all of them and you can spare little since everyone in your camp is constantly exhausted from hard work and rationed meals. Leaving these kids to their fates would mean their deaths or worse. How would you handle this situation? All right. So, you know, a lot of the times people are like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, neighbors or whatever. But when you have, uh, you know, kids who are six and seven years old, you know, how would you respond to something like that? You know, and uh, so 
Wow, think about that one. So if you are interested in interested in the conflicted game, I do have links where you can go buy it. I mean, I am a, I am an affiliate. Don't make a don't make a ton of money off of it, but it is something that I think is valuable, especially around the 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 uh, the, uh, the Christmas holidays. If you're looking for something that's a little bit different, and uh, you know you're looking for some, maybe you know you're going to have an office party, or you're looking for uh, you know uh, I don't know, just an unusual gift. This is one of those unusual gifts. You don't have to put a whole lot of thought into it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's a gift that you can give, and, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting, especially for a guy. Um, I don't know, maybe women would like it as well, but uh, I think it would be a, a great gift to give, especially during Christmas time. But So I have links on the show notes and then over at edthatmatters.com if you want to come over to Ed That Matters. Uh, there's a link that takes you over to the Conflicted uh, webpage, and you can go ahead and purchase it. And they also have uh, board games, and they have some other items that you can look into, too. Uh, pretty good. I've, I've known JD, uh, the owner, for a while. Uh, he's advertised with Prepper Website, and uh, he's, he's just a good guy. And so you can go check those out. Um, you know, a lot of good stuff over there. All right, guys, that's it for episode 207. I uh, really appreciate you hanging out with me on this episode. If uh, you'd like, feel free to come on over to the, the the podcast website and leave me a comment in one of the comment sections or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I love to hear from uh, listeners. I always do. Or you can come over to the Facebook group. I'd love to have you over there. Hey, so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.